0: The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated magazine. Wing Chun Illustrated is the premier publication for Wing Chun. Published six times a year, Wing Chun Illustrated is a perfect bound, full color, glossy publication. Each 60-page issue comes packed with in-depth content and feature stories by and about the world's greatest exponents of Wing Chun, regardless of lineage or style. Wing Chun Illustrated has featured people like Imin Bostepe, Philip Bayer, Yip Chun, Gary Lamb, Donald Mack, Samuel Kwok, David Peterson, Chan Chi Man, Mark Phillips, Wan Kam Leung, Sam Lau, Robert Chu, Sifu Sergio, Victor Ken, and many, many more. There are two ways you can enjoy this fantastic publication. Go to wingchunillustrated.com and order the magazine as a print-on-demand. The print quality is simply amazing. Or download the Magster app and get a subscription. That's Magster, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. This way, when the new issue hits the stands, you'll automatically receive it as a download onto your smart device for offline reading. In fact, with your new Magster account, you can access the magazine on multiple devices. iOS, Android, Kindle Fire, and web browser. To make the deal even sweeter, listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast can use the coupon code DUDES to get a six-month complimentary digital subscription. That coupon code is DUDES, typed in all capital letters. Go to Magster, again M-A-G-Z-T-E-R, to register, add the six-month subscription to the cart, and apply the coupon code at checkout. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated magazine.
1: Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your host, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hey
2: everybody, welcome to this week's Dudes of Kung Fu. This week's going to be more like the Dude of Kung Fu, in that uh, our boy Alex is off on a family trip into Portugal or some other place that no one cares about. And uh, so we thought we'd do the AMA, which I promised you guys a long time ago. And um, we never got through to it, you know. So I I thought it would be a good time for us to do the Ask Me Anything episode for me. Uh, My son, John, the recently married John, (laughs) is going to sit in with us and uh, ask me the questions and give me somebody to talk to other than a microphone. When Alex did his Ask Me Anything, he just did it with just him and a mic. For three hours. For three hours. And and that's just not me, folks. I'm just not a guy who can just talk to a microphone i need a person to talk to and um
1: i feel like very few people can actually pull off like the single podcast where you're not talking to somebody
2: right i mean let's face it when it comes to me and alex alex is the talker like alex can talk alex i love alex but nothing you know i'll never love alex the way alex loves alex (laughs) so (laughs) so um you know alex can talk and i just i'm more of a a reaction kind of guy. So I, I like to talk to a person as opposed to a microphone. So I asked John to um, take the questions from... We, we actually have two lists of questions. Um, one recent... From a recent post that John threw up on uh, Facebook. Asking if they me anything. And then one from a few months ago. And, you know, with a list of questions then. And uh, we're going to come kind of combine the two. and And we'll have some fun, you know. And I'll... I, I don't know what the questions are. I have not seen them. John has them, and everything will be off the cuff. No planned answers. No, no anything. That's just the way I like to roll. You know.
1: There you go. Mm. All right, you ready?
2: So welcome to the podcast, John. John. Thank you. So for people that don't know, John is the uh, the producer of the podcast. He um he's my son, and he he's the one that does all the technical things. He does the editing, puts all the sounds in. Uploads it
1: all that other crap. So,
2: <laughs> so he's he's gonna finally be on the camera on the on the microphone tonight. So. I'm happy to be here.
1: It's a long time coming. Yeah. Right. right, you know. right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So we have we have a whole list of questions here. We grabbed some questions from Facebook, some questions from Instagram. Uh, people sent in some questions through private message. You know, we have like literally a whole bunch of questions here. Obviously, we're not gonna be able to have a chance to get to everything. That's for the second part. But you know. We, were, we, we picked out a few that I think are pretty good, and, uh, you know, we're just going to get some honest answers here. All right, so first question is going to be from Evan Dogen, Dogen, if I pronounce your last name wrong, I'm sorry, from Warwick, New York. Uh, he writes in, Sean, how did you become interested in martial arts in the first place, and what eventually led you to JKD?
2: Wow, well, okay, so, you know, I'm 54 years old. No. Uh, yeah, no, really, <laughs> I swear to God. I'm 54
1: years
2: (laughs) old, I walk like I'm 90, so, (laughs) the the reason I say that is because as most guys my age and a little older, my first attraction to martial arts was Bruce Lee, you know, Um, I remember as a kid going to the movies, in the movie theaters, watching uh, the double feature Fist of Fury and the Chinese Connection. And me and my cousins, who were all fascinated with martial arts also, all fascinated with Bruce Lee also, would come out of the movie theater and just beat the shit out of each other all the way home. And, you know, it just led to a fascination of Bruce Lee. And we really didn't know anything other than, like, you know, Bruce Lee did martial arts. So, of course, we all went to our local uh, karate schools, quote-unquote karate schools, for the longest time. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I kind of like took a deep dive into what Bruce Lee actually did. But growing up, it was mostly all like jujitsu, Shotokan karate, other types of karate systems, me and my cousins. And uh, I didn't know from Kung Fu at all. I didn't know from Wing Chun at all. Like that was nothing. And Jikundo. I mean, I knew that was the name of Bruce Lee's art, but again, I knew nothing about it. But that's really, that, that's what sparked the interest. It was definitely Bruce Lee, and it was um, the kung-fu movies of that time, you know. And, and and it just, growing up in that time, you not only had the Bruce Lee movies, you had the, um, I call them the Channel 5 movies. They had these, you know, um, Shaw Brother type movies every weekend. And uh, we, I would watch those and these kung fu flicks and it just kind of just held my interest growing up. And, and, I, and I had a bunch of, like I said, I had a bunch of cousins doing the same thing. And we all grew up very close. So, you know, when you, when you, when you grow up with a gr- bunch of cousins and you're all doing the same thing, it just helps you grow as a, in your passion for something.
1: All right. Hope that answered your question. Uh, we have Richard White from California. He wants to know Sean... What is your favorite Sherlock Holmes story and why?
2: Wow. Okay, so I'm a Sherlock Holmes freak. I love Sherlock Holmes.
1: Um, Especially Will Ferrell. did a fantastic. Job. It, it, okay, wrong. <laughs> um,
2: I would say the best book is The Hound of the Baskervilles. And why? It's because it really... In, in the book, Sherlock Holmes... Goes through his method of reasoning and deduction. He kind of explains what he does and why, and he uses a lot of his catchphrases and and, and gives you an understanding of his methodology. And uh, like you know, I I remember watching a TV show. I forget the name of it. It was a uh, basically like some sheriff out west, and one of his deputies said, "Oh, I want to be an investigator." And the sheriff goes onto his bookshelf and takes down a book and hands him the, sheriff, the deputy a book and says, here, read this book. It'll teach you how to be a detective. And you assume that the book is about is some, you know, how-to book on being a detective or some from some police academy. And he ends up handing him the book, The Hound of the Baskervilles, by Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes. It's just, it's just a great book. And if you want to love Sherlock Holmes, read The Hound of the Baskervilles. And if you don't fall in love with it, then it's not for you, but uh, I strongly suggest that book. It is the best book, in my opinion.
1: Uh, Dave Kirkland, and also in California, wants to know about if there's going to be a Dudes of Kung Fu live show anytime soon.
2: You know that I would enjoy that. We um, a live show presents some problems because you have to, you know, the audience. You, we kind of have to build up and have the audience, you know, meet you like on a. A weekend kind of thing, but uh, I I think we I think Alex and I would both enjoy that. You know, Alex, our favorite episodes. Alex and I, both of us, would say this. Our favorite episodes are the ones that we record when we're in the same room. You know, Alex and I are not just podcast partners. We are truly really good friends, and when we hang out together, there's a a special something added to the podcast. You know, we did. Um, we, and we've only done it like, I'm, I'm going to say four or five times, yeah, maybe. A like that. Not a lot. Not a lot. And, and it, it's been fantastic every time it happened. Um, I, I think my favorite one was when we recorded up in Alex's school. Yeah. That was just a lot of fun.
1: And you had a good audience of like 30, 40 people there, too, watching. It, it I mean, was
2: fun, you know, yeah. yeah and, you know, and we all know my favorite hobby is to make fun of Alex. And um, to do that in front of his students was just extra special. <laughs> and um but yeah you know I, I should talk to Alex because we, we gotta we gotta do a live show maybe like on on YouTube or something like a YouTube live or a Facebook live or an Instagram live or kind of like set something up that we're on all all of them at the same time
1: I think meant like live in front of people we live in front of an audience well yeah. that that's yeah. that's that oh yeah, that would be I think that's what mm.
2: Right, you know, I you know, gee, I'm so stupid. No, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, we should do one live in front of people. That see to do that we need we need to like guarantee we're gonna have an audience. It means we have to like give away soda or something so these motherfuckers actually show up. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but to have nothing would look more pathetic than say, Oh, we're gonna have a live audience and You'd go well, rent out some bar or something, and like no one show up, you know. Or, you
1: know, just be like every other seafood, We're just give out certificates, you know. This like, is true, right? Exactly
2: right. You know, show up and get a certificate and jump you,
1: no problem, you know. Hey, but, so you're, you're giving up black belts. I looked it up. You can go online and buy karate black belts for two dollars a piece, right? Know? Oh, yeah, please. This giving up black belts.
2: You can go on YouTube and actually purchase rank.
1: Oh, of course,
2: it's insane. <laughs> For only ninety nine ninety five, you too could be. <laughs> so it's so fucking fucked up.
1: All right. Uh, we've got Daniel Barrier here. Um, no location here. But uh, he says, uh, Sean, I'm 50 years old and I'm a big guy too. How do you deal with it with your Wing Chun JKD routine? I have a weight lifter, karate background. I find myself kind of messy sometimes because of my size. Any tips or tricks to help?
2: uh... yeah you know what dude this is where first of all i'm i'm more than big right so i've gotten to the point now where it's it's um, my weight has is, is, is it's prohibitive when it comes to martial arts it's it's stopping me in a lot of ways but as a big guy you have to tweak the the art to fit you and and not trying and not trying to make the art how can I say it you have you have to change the art to fit you you know you can't you, you can't try and be something you're not I am never I, I can only speak in terms of me I don't know you uh, on a personal level so I can't speak in terms of you but in terms of me I know I'm never gonna move like Bruce Lee I could lose 250 pounds I am not gonna ever move like Bruce Lee but what I have to do, and again, I'm speaking in terms of Jeet Kune Do and not Wing Chun. Um, when I look at Jeet Kune Do and my understanding of it, which is the controlling of distance, timing, and rhythm, five ways of attack, I look at what my body can do. And how can I, Now, if I have to break rhythm, I can't break rhythm the exact same way Bruce Lee broke rhythm. But I can take the understanding of broken rhythm. I can take the theories behind it, the tactics behind it. Look at the way my body moves. Look at the way my body has the ability to move. And and apply that and do the best I can. You know, um, I I trained MMA fighters. I trained with Wing Chun people. I trained with, I trained with JKD people. And I love it when I would be able to hit some guy who weighs 175 pounds, a 22-year-old 175-pound dude, and i can I, I give him a pop, pop in the head, and they're always like, oh, you got that lucky shot in. And I always laugh and say, yeah, I got lucky, thanks. And I always say to myself, yeah, because of my understanding of JKD, it gives me the ability to get my fat ass and get that one or two good shots in On a a younger, stronger, more athletic person. Now, I'm not going to lie. If I lost weight, if I was more athletic, I'd have more options available to me. Just like you would have more options available to you. But just because you are where you are doesn't mean you can't do what you want to do. You just have to go about it in a different way. You know, so maybe you can't kick to the chest. You can only kick to the knee. So what? Maybe you can't move back 16 inches with a with us with a slide shuffle you can only move back six inches with a slide shuffle so you have to use body lean and sway and and things to that effect to change the dynamic of 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 the art and make the art fit you you know that's 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 how i've done it since the beginning you know my sifu uh steve golden my jkd teacher is you know, 15 years older than me, 20 years older than me, and a foot shorter, and, and, and a hundred, couple, few hundred pounds lighter. And I, I couldn't impersonate him to do his art. And just like he couldn't impersonate Bruce Lee, I can't impersonate him. I have to learn a set of principles, a set of, a set of principles and directions and then make them dynamic and use them as my body is and not how my body should be. And, and again, as you become more athletic, you'll have more options available to you.
1: All right, so we have, uh, we have Chris Michael Sanchez. He's got a bit of a long one, but it's a nice little message. Uh, he comes out of Arizona. He wants to know, he says, Sean, I'd like to ask, what was your biggest source of inspiration during your early years? We all have those moments where we're trying to put things together and things seem too complicated. What mindsets did you take up to get past that part? What inspiration helped you? Was it your Sifu or something different? I could have been the only person that hit a plateau. Thanks for the opportunity.
2: Okay, yeah. So, just like everything else, martial arts as an athletic endeavor is oftentimes you can't do something, you can't do something, you can't do something, you can't do something, boom you can do it. And as you get more advanced in the martial arts the plateaus in my personal experience are more frustrating, longer lasting, but more rewarding. So we, we all know I have a passion for guitar. Um. In playing guitar there's something called a bar chord that is just hard to do and i could never play bar chords but i practiced trying to do it every day and i just couldn't do it and we're talking about for a year i couldn't do it and then one day i just could do it and it literally was the same thing in the martial arts um there's a, a few things that i I just could not do, but I, I didn't give up on them and I practiced them and the frustration was there and the, the desire to quit was there, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to say oh no I never thought of quitting, fuck that, yeah I thought of quitting plenty of times, but the desire to stick around was greater and what motivated me? small little things Small little rewards. Maybe it wasn't exactly what I always wanted. You know, I Could never move like my my teacher But ne- like next thing I know I started seeing these little tiny rewards Like I was able to do something I couldn't do before My timing got better. I could physically see and feel myself be better at certain things and what happened? I said to myself wow Maybe that's my body telling me that that's the direction I need to go in as opposed to the direction I wanted to go in. So when you look at martial arts, when you look at any, at, at any kind of athletic endeavor, you have this idea in your head of what you want to be, of who you want to be and what you want to do. And, you know, let, let's, let's take this away from the martial arts again. Let's take this like, let's, let's look at like football. American football and maybe you're some 17 year old and you think like you know what I want to be a quarterback like nobody's business man I fucking love football I love being a quarterback and quite frankly you're not that very good at it but you do notice that when you're hanging out with your buddies and they throw the ball to you man you got hands you can catch but you don't have a lot of speed because you don't weigh 110 pounds you know and the coach comes up to you and says you know you'd be a damn good tight end and maybe that maybe your body in what your your physical size you know your two and a quarter say and your six foot three you can't really throw but you can catch Maybe your body is telling you, you can do this athletic endeavor, but you have to go about it and do it in a different way. So in this case here, instead of being that damn great quarterback you want to be, you're going to be a fantastic tight end. And in the martial arts, it's the same exact thing. Maybe you envisioned yourself doing something a certain way. You said, you know, I'm going to be this great boxer. Or I'm going to be this great kickboxer. Or I'm going to be this great JKD guy who specializes in this aspect of the martial arts. And you just can't get it. But your body is saying, look, you're getting better at this aspect of it. You know, you're really good at, 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 at throws. You're really good at whatever. Just pick an aspect. Maybe it's time to look at that aspect and say, you know what, let me do a deep dive on that. That maybe that wasn't my primary goal. Maybe that wasn't the primary destination I wanted to take in the martial arts. But it's, it's, it's something I can do and, 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 and follow through and become great at. You know, I really say, like, if you want to be a success at something, find something that you love to do, that you're good at doing, get better at it, and teach someone else how to do it and they'll pay you you know and and, and I really think if you let your body help dictate the direction that you need to go in you'll find what you're meant to do
1: alright we have Darren Magriss who was on the podcast last week but he's decided to submit it in a question Darren Magriss from Staten Island uh, he says uh, how did the dude feel about the UFC and ESPN's deal seems like everything has an extra charge. Do you think more people will jump ship and start watching Bellator or other MMA events in response?
2: Darren Magris. Well, first of all, Darren Magris, everybody should know, is one of my best friends on this earth. He's the creator of the fight card game, which fucking rocks. And if you didn't order it, you're a jerk. You should order it. Um, but with that said, it's a good question, Darren. Well, how do I feel about the UFC ESPN deal? I don't know. On the surface, I'm not happy with it. The ESPN Plus... It just seems clunky. It's not easy. I'm a schmuck. I'm 54 years old. I still need to have my son John come over and set it up every time we're going to watch watch a fight. I think it was easier before. Um, I think the fights should be either be on the regular ESPN channel and do a pay-per-view. But this idea of the special channel that you can only watch on special devices and things to that effect. I, it's got to be hurting their audience. Now, listen, also, but but conversely, these are not stupid men and women that set this up. You know, they're business people who have researched this and feel that they're going in the right direction. But then again, this is the same type of person that invented the new Coke 25 years ago, and where the fuck did that end up, right? In a shitter, you know? So, personally, I, I'm not... I'm not a big fan of it, and I do agree with that. This may lead to um, other fighting. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, like promotions, com- promotions uh, getting more viewers, like Bellator, and, and that's good because the guys that are fighting in these other promotions need the exposure. Um, and, and I do think this will lead to other people, you know, to people watching other promotions instead of the UFC. But uh, I'm not happy with a lot of things the UFC does. I'm I mean John my son John and I, we watch a lot of a lot of fights. And you know, I'm not crazy about this whole interim titles and no. you know, there's like there's interim titles all over the place. There's title fights on every card. It, and and they're like bullshit titles. It's not even like real title fights, you know? Right. It's ridiculous, right? Well,
1: I mean No, absolutely. I mean, since since they got took over what they got purchased, what WMA, I think purchased just a they feel like every pay-per-view has to have a title match. I don't, I don't think the average UFC fan is watching a UFC card for uh, title fights. I think they're watching because they see two amazing fighters so they want to see them go at each other. You <laughs> know what I mean? The number The number one U, UFC selling pay-per-view is, you know, McGregor versus DS2, which is not a title fight. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah, I didn't realize you that. Know what I mean, like, the number one selling pay-per-view is not a title fight. It was not <laughs> headlined as a title fight. So that's amazing you know what I mean so I do think that I think it's also very expensive to be a UFC fan today oh you know, it is yeah you, you got to pay five bucks a month for ESPN Plus just to then buy sixty dollars worth of pay-per-views you know what I mean mm-hmm. and then you also have to have UFC Fight Pass it's ten dollars a month you know what I mean to watch the UFC Fight Pass prelims and if you also want to get pre-sale tickets to the fights and stuff you right right person, right you know exactly I mean? right you know it's very expensive to be a UFC fan nowadays you know Maybe sure it's not. I do not I don't know how good that is for the sport I, also, I, I feel like UFC is also the only sport that doesn't have an off-season. You know what I mean? It just continuously goes. Right, that's up. true. The NFL, the NBA, NHL, they all have an off-season. UFC just continuously goes. There's no end.
2: Right. It's like boxing in that way. But, um, I mean, I'm a UFC fan from way back. I mean, my son John, you know, I'll tell you, I, I, I ordered UFC 3 the night he was born. I went to the pay-per-view and of course didn't get to watch it because son of a bitch was born so I had to go to the hospital instead of (laughs) watching a fight. So I've been around the sport a long time and uh, I'm, I'm not happy with some of the changes.
1: Yeah, We have John Turnbull you know what I mean? Who is one of our awesome Patreon supporters. John is a good man. One of our biggest biggest supporters, biggest fans, and uh, one of the best Patreon supporters we have. Uh, John Turnbull from Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Ohio, uh, wants to know, Sean, what do you think your strengths and weaknesses are in the martial arts? What areas do you focus on most when training?
2: Yeah, John, um, this is a great question. So, as I've gotten older and fatter... My focus has changed. I feel like I'm very good at coaching tactics and strategy. I, when it comes to me actually as a martial artist and a fighter, I'm more of a grinded out guy. I'm, I'm, um, I'm of the school of like Darren said last week on the podcast, I'll take one punch to give you three. And I'm 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 pretty good at wrestling, so I, I've done some Greco-Roman. I wrestled a lot for school, so I'll, I'll I'll take your punch, give you three punches, get in on you, and crush you. That that that's my style of fighting. But I realize that works for me, and that doesn't work for everybody else. What I am good at, it's what I was told I was good at. And and now can see that I've become better at it. I can see it. Is this idea of coaching tactics and strategy? When people look at the five ways of attack of Jeet Kune Do there's this idea of um, the five ways of attack: a uh, progressive indirect attack, hand immobilization attack, attack by drawing, attack by combination, simple attack. Um, these. It's this in Chikindo schools, for some reason, in most Chikindo schools, I'm not saying all, but in most, there's this idea of like, okay, let me try progressive indirect attack and see if that works. Okay, no, that didn't work. Let me try immobilization attack and see if that works. Oh, wait, no, that didn't work. Let me try attack by drawing. See if that w- there's this kind of like try and see if it works attitude when it comes to strategies and tactics. I don't, I don't believe that's the case when it comes to these things. I believe that our opponents will tell us how to beat them if we're smart enough to watch them and understand what they're trying to say to us. When you can look at the way a guy moves, see his strengths, weaknesses, his preferences and his ability level, what his, what his habits are and what his reactions are, and understand how to use that information against them, you will take a, a, a new level of understanding in the martial arts. And the way I learned about strategy forced me to be very analytical about fighters and how they moved and how they dealt with pressures, and how they apply pressure. And I started understanding how to manipulate different types of fighters by the way they did things, by what their preferences were, by what their ability levels were, by the way they reacted to certain things, and by the way, by, by the, the habits they had. And I, I understood that there was things I could do that would that would set them up in in a way that I could take advantage of that they would want to do certain things and I would give them the ability to do those certain things. And in doing that, it led to their own ruination. But most of all, I realized that I had the ability to take all this information and pass it on to others. So when people come to train with me, most of the time they're already established martial artists. Uh, Most of the guys that train with me are sifus in their own school. Um, And a lot of them don't want their own students to even know that I'm coaching them. (laughs) You know, and I get that and I respect that. But I... I, I, I love to show them to how to do certain things that they already knew to do, but they didn't know they had to do it in that way. And when you when you break this system down, when you break down the the the, the lessons of G Do in that way of understanding habits and reactions and things to that effect, and understanding what what ways we can attack, which way we can manipulate, and which ways we can appear to be vulnerable that will make our opponent move and apply pressure in certain ways that we can manipulate them, well, you will be blown away. And, and that's what I feel like I do well, John. I, I really feel like I can sit there and say, like, oh, okay, this, you show me what you got. You know, I, I don't try and take a person... And say okay I'm gonna make you learn my martial art I, I look to see what your martial art is and then I teach you my strategy and how you can take your art and apply it apply my strategy within the realms of your art now we may have to change one or two things about the way you do things like um, oftentimes I like in Wing Chun there's no fakes or feints that um, and, and part of the system that I use involves faking and fainting so I would show you that and if you want to use it you would use it if not you wouldn't but um that I would say is my greatest attribute my ability to pass along strategy and um and and I'm and, and I listen and I'm willing to work with anybody that wants to do that that wants to learn that I enjoy it um and you know and uh and if you, if anybody wants to learn what I call university level jiu jitsu, they should contact me. But um, or contact the guys that train with me. You know, um, I would say you know I've had I've had several guys train with me that teach. Um, not disparaging anybody, but I would say right now the two guys that know my system better than anybody else in the world are seth mccullum and chris kennedy up in the uh i'm going to say boston area neither one of them actually in boston but um they're up you know not far from there that they really know the system very well they're uh um dave shostel up in canada knows it pretty well but uh right now seth and chris are absolutely top notch and um and we get together and at my house and, of course, I have other guys, but um, some don't want their names out on the air on anything. So, we'll just uh, we'll put it out there. But um, but that that's what I do. That's me.
1: Uh, Ralph Kaufman from Washington, D.C. asks, Sean, I always love when you and Alex have a special guest on the podcast. Do you have any special guests confirmed to come on the podcast soon? And who would be some of your dream guests?
2: Okay, so I'm not sure who we have coming up. That's... um that's usually uh alex takes care of that but um as far as dream guests quite frankly i've already had most of my dream guests. (laughs) i um there are guys that I, i would love to have on the show but um you know having steve golden on the show was my dream guest it was he's my teacher and it was my dream guest and having you know david peterson on well, you know, I mean, ask Alex. I was like a sixteen-year-old girl going to his first Justin Timberlake concert when I was having David Peterson on. I I I I was I was overjoyed. I was like, you know, Burton Richardson. You know how long I was reading Burton Richardson's column and in Inside Kung Fu, Bert Office, Bert Offerings? Like, these guys are my heroes in the martial arts. I, you know, I've had We've had on some freaking awesome guests. There, there's, um, there's a few more guys out there, and I, I don't want to say their names because I don't want to, I don't want to influence whether they want to be on the show or not. Some people don't want to be on the show, so until we approach them, I really don't want to say their names on the show. But there are guys that I absolutely would love to have on the show that we haven't approached yet, and we are going to. But when you talk about dream guests, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, you know. Burton Richardson and David Peterson, that was and, and Steve Golden. These were like some dream guests. my when we confirmed that we were having David Peterson on on the show, man, I bounced I bounced around this house like a little kid. Uh, it's just no joke, you know. It's I uh, I was pretty damn happy, and he knew it too. I I, I sent the messages on Facebook, and I thought he was gonna get an order protection order of protection against me. I was sending him so many messages on Facebook. It was amazing, but uh, yeah, it's. uh, But we have we have other guests lined up, but I don't want to say their names yet.
1: Fair enough. All right, we have Andrew Bird who says I enjoy trapping, but I question myself on the value of it when it when it's to be used spontaneously and in real time. What's your thoughts?
2: Okay, so excellent question, excellent question. I'm so happy you asked this question. I yes trapping can happen spontaneously you know um you'll hear people say oh it just happened you know don't plan a trap let let the trapping just happen and I'll say yeah sure but most people can't do that so yes there are high level people and I know everybody thinks they're high level so most people that tell you they can do it are fucking full of shit. But because everybody I know, oh, I, I never plan a trap. It just happens. And I just nod my head. So, wow. And in my head, I said, yeah, you're full of shit. But most high, most people I know, trapping doesn't just happen. There is some sort of planning involved. And I look at it like this. If we're going to be any kind of planning involved, well, then we better have a good plan. And we better know when and why to use trapping or mobilization attack. At some point, through chisao and other um, attribute developing drills, you will eventually, I'm sure, gain the ability to have mobilization attack happen happen by itself. But until that time. There is, I repeat, there is nothing wrong with planning out traps. And when people say, oh, if you have, you know, never plan out trapping. Just go to them. Yeah. Okay. And then in your head, they're a fucking idiot. The truth of the matter is you have to plan out trapping. You have to know I'm going to do this. Why am I doing this? It's because he does that and I will be able to trap his arm down or whatever. There's a reason to do things, you know. There's a reason people get punched in the face and there's a reason people don't get punched in the face. And it's the people that understand the system and how it works and how to come in. I don't want to say a plan like I, you know, A does this, B does that, C does that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is in these situations, trapping works. And you have to be able to recognize these situations... And say okay trapping is now available to me and that's what i mean by planning out the trapping there are situations in fights where trapping will not work but there are situations where trapping will absolutely work and in those situations say yes i plan on trapping in this kind of way if i can but to sit there and say i'm only going to rely you know there's a saying out there don't rely on a supposed sixth sense and give up the other five sense- senses that you were born with. Well, there's a reason you have those five senses. Use them. Use them to, to, to really develop your strategy and your tactics. And trapping, mobilization tack, is one of those tactics and strategy.
1: Uh, We have James Alexander from Los Angeles, California says, Sean, I love listening to the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, but I feel like I can never get enough. What are some of your favorite mixed martial arts podcasts to listen to? Uh,
2: There's a few good um, MMA podcasts out there. The official UFC one is really good. Um, I would say my favorite right now is um, the the John Anik... Kenny Florio um, Kenny Kenny Florian podcast is my favorite podcast to listen to as far as MMA goes they actually talk about the fights they talk about you know um, the past fights and you know, the upcoming fights you can really if you if you notice a fight this weekend you listen to the last podcast on the Kenny Florian po- podcast and you' you're, you're good to go on that on that on that fights coming up. John, what about you? You're really into. I mean, I like to
1: listen to the Believe You Me podcast with Michael. Bisping. Oh right,
2: dog, right. I forgot about that. The Believe You Me podcast with uh, Michael Bisping and um, Louis J. Gomez. Louis J. Gomez is fantastic. I, I love Bisping. Big Bisping is. What I like about Bisping is the dude's just honest. He's honest. He he'll give you what how he feels about stuff, man. Like it's just. I'll just talk for another beer, huh, yeah. John? I'm sorry. I mean you know how many Bud heavies are we going to have today buddy at least four <laughs> okay. but yeah you know the the uh, Bisping will give you his honest opinion every time and I just think it's amazing I just think uh, I, I really I, that is one of the top podcasts out there
1: now Sean we have a lot of people who have come in and messaged and asked us why you haven't interviewed the seafood yet <laughs> We have at least four or five comments of people asking why. Really? <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I don't know
2: who your Sifus are. So before you I, even I tell them. I don't me, say any names. Don't, don't tell me, to, John. I don't want to know.
1: Yeah, um, you've got a few people, though. They want to know why their Sifu hasn't been on the podcast yet.
2: Well, you know, it could be several reasons. One, <laughs> we we just didn't get to them yet. You know? Um, two, we don't, we don't like having guests on that much. And I shouldn't say it that way. It's that we have such a great dynamic of just me and Alex. Sometimes having a third guest on, like a third person on, really throws us off. Unless that person is like really like, like a David Peterson, and and most most likely is we don't like you, seafood. No, just kidding. <laughs> most likely I just don't give a fuck about your seafood. No, I shouldn't say that, um, but it's true. I no, I it's not, that's not true. I mean, I don't
1: know, like you know. I don't know, know if you want to touch upon this or not. We can cut this out if you want. No, just, no, no, like, no, it's, it's just, fine. It's, it's listen. People
2: love their seafoods, and I think that's great. But you know, um, I don't know a lot of a lot of these people, or I'll know some of them, and you know, I maybe I don't have a great relationship with them. Maybe I have no relationship with them, and and it's it's a it's a lot to set things up. You know, Alex and I both have lives outside of the podcast, so it's tough for us to find a, a time and place that works for me and him to to set aside an hour and a half to record. Let alone a third person, it makes it really tough. It's it's not easy, you know. And um, but uh, we are absolutely open to other people, but it's it it. It's not as much as we're not, we don't like to do it as much as people think we want to do it. We, we really, we really like the way Alex and I work together, just the two of us.
1: Uh, we have Jonathan Kerbis from Chicago, Illinois, who writes If not the Tao, which I have heard isn't a textbook but more of a collection of thoughts, what are some good JKD resources? Okay, so. First of all, instead of the Tao of
2: Jikundo, I would always say go Commentaries on the Martial Way, which is the bigger version of the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. It's, it's It's much more um, complete. It's, it has so many, much more of uh, Bruce Lee's notes, and it's organized in a much better way than the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. So I'll go Commentaries on the Martial Way. When it comes to resources on Jikundo, you know, Chris Kent's books are great, Tim Tackett's information is always, books are great. I know this is going to upset some people, but I still, I still want to say, if you're concerned about fighting, go with Matt, Matt Thornton's Straight Blast Gym stuff. I don't care what he says about Wing Chun, I don't care what he says about J.K.D., Bruce Lee, his shit works. And it's taught in a way that that makes sense. And yeah, it's sport fighting. And it will fuck you up, but um, when it comes to resources on G Do, strict G Kundal, you know, I'm really, you know, there's, Kevin Seaman has some good books out there. Lamar Davis has some good books out there. Um, I, I think my favorites were the ones by uh, Chris Kent and Tim Tackett, but um, that's really, you know. I I think, you know, I think Chris Kent, Tim Tackett really do great work with that stuff.
1: All right. We have uh, James Michael Thorpe from Montclair, California, who says, How does JKD inform Wing Chun on moving freely, in your opinion? How does JKD inform Wing Chun?
2: Right. Okay, um, I, you know, JKD and Wing Chun move differently. I think, you know, it's just they're, they're two completely different systems of moving. And that's why I believe that it's tough to combine. People say, oh, you can combine you and know, Wing Chun. Or well, there's a lot of Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do. Yes, there's a lot of the principles and the hip and things that, affect found in Wing Chun that you'll find in Jeet Kune Do. But as far as movement goes, I've found that JKD moves differently than Wing Chun moves. Now, like, like, now, Steve Golden, he moves very much like a Wing Chun guy in his physical structure but then he kind of morphs into a JKD guy instantaneously it's it's special it's different I but I think JKD moves more like a boxer fencer and Wing Chun is, is just not that at all and if we're gonna talk about movement, um, it's to me it's just apples and oranges, and they're the two don't really meet together very well.
1: All right, I think it's gonna be our last question. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. Had, uh, we had a, we had a, we had an influx of questions, and I think. Uh, yeah. That we kind of, I think we got more
2: Let's go. That. We have we have one more question or. Um, oh
1: yeah, we have uh, we have Brooks Long, and he is from. Uh, looks like San Diego and he says what do you think about guys that use Wing Chun with combat sports should more people train this way
2: I think combat sports are the epitome of martial arts and you know boxing judo Brazilian jiu-jitsu Muay Thai combat sports are the epitome of martial arts And I think Wing Chun can absolutely help that. But only if you're going to put the time in. So do I think Wing Chun can help in an MMA fighter? Absolutely. Do I think a a Wing Chun person can go compete in MMA and do well? Not at all. I think that Wing Chun could be... ...an aid to an MMA fighter... ...but Wing Chun would have to change his complete structure... ...to take part in MMA... ...and, and, and I really do, that's how I feel... ...I mean, there's a reason why, quite frankly... ...someone, someone recently just said to me... ...wow, Joe Rogan hates Wing Chun... ...there's a reason he doesn't... ...there's a reason Joe Rogan hates Wing Chun... ...and he's not a stupid man... ...because he's seen Wing Chun people get their fucking heads handed to him... ...in an MMA fight... ...and if you can't beat a guy with rules... You'll never beat him without rules. People say, oh, of course the Wing Chun guy lost. There's rules in a fight. Exactly. Dude, if you can't beat me with rules, there's no way you're beating me without rules. Because if you, you know, it's just not going to happen. You know, if you, oh, you're going to snap my fingers when we're rolling around on the ground. So if we're doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, if you think the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy can't snap fingers also, you're wrong. And he knows how to take positions to do it safely. So, yes, Wing Chun will absolutely help an an MMA fighter. But don't look for Wing Chun people to start taking over sports, sports, combat athletics. It's just not going to happen. They have to change the whole dynamic of the fights. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for uh, doing this. I couldn't have done it on my own. Of course. And um, this was awesome. And Alex will be back and from Portugal. Who the fuck goes to Portugal? But, you know, uh, and we'll,
1: we'll be right back in rotation. Yeah, and uh, thank you guys so much for sending in all the amazing questions. I mean, you know, this podcast couldn't have happened without you guys. Uh, remember, Patreon supporters get first dibs in terms of asking questions. Any, any question you send into the Patreon is going to get read first before Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anywhere else you guys send questions in. So if you really want to support the show and support the dudes, and uh, really it would be good to you know, sign up and become a Patreon subscriber. You know, there's tons of benefits for you guys. And, um... Yeah, we just hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, you know. Thanks you a lot, guys. It. Talk soon.
0: See you next week. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com/support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the dudes you'll get early access to episodes as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level this includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the dudes again go to dudes support to find out more about that as always you can help support us in small ways as well give us a like at the dudes of kung fu facebook page and share links to episodes if twitter is your preferred social media outlet you can follow the dudes of kung fu there as well Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!